0: Welcome to the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes Arn.
1: Hey, everybody. How are you? Mike Tippett's here. And this week, we're a little shorthanded. We've got myself and Curtis Campbell How's it going, everybody? Super excited to be here. Chuck Keeler's off at Adobe Max this week, so we're excited to see all the cool things he's learned. But we have a very special guest with us on this episode, Ms. Sharon Nirenberg, Director of Corporate Communications for Hughes and EchoStar. Sharon, welcome.
2: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
1: So this episode, we're going to talk about the importance of corporate communications when it comes to digital transformation and candidly to any kind of transformation, really. So, Sharon, tell us a little bit about a time when you, in your career, have gone through or been part of a transformation and kind of what you see corporate communications role was.
2: Okay. Well, uh, we don't have to go very far back in my career to find that. The company that I worked for prior to joining Hughes was called Broadsoft. It was a software company based outside of Washington, DC, that was ultimately acquired by Cisco. And when I joined Broadsoft, I was brought in to do internal communications there, collaborating with the public relations team, but there wasn't a specific corporate communications function like we have at Hughes. So my focus was really on the employee communications and specifically employee engagement. And it was great timing because the company was at the start of a, trans- a business transformation, evolving, you know, every aspect of the company to really prepare it for the future in terms of its product development, its sales, its marketing, its hiring, its employee engagement, all of that completely across the whole business. And ultimately... I guess looking back, it may have part of that transformation may have been to get the company ready for what happened next, which was a tremendous acquisition um, by Cisco. So it was a really neat opportunity for me to have a hand, a small hand, in a great team that developed the whole employee engagement program that supported that business transformation.
1: So as you look at things prior to Hughes and here at Hughes with us. When you think about employee communication going into any kind of a transformation, and that transformation might be a software rollout, a system rollout. It might be an acquisition like you described with Broadsoft. What do you find to be the most challenging aspects of handling that communication? And the reason I ask the question is because I think one of the things that would be challenging is the timing of information. When do we tell the employees that something's about to happen. You know, in the case of an acquisition or a merger, that's very sensitive information. In the case of a software deployment or new system, you don't want to start talking about it too soon because people have a job to do on a daily basis. How do you, how do you look at the timing of the information and when you start or ramp up the information flow?
2: It's an interesting question because I think that the timing is critical, as you're saying, but in the world that we live in, What's external is internal and what's internal is external. All of those lines of traditional communications, traditional PR and marketing and HR communications, it's all blurred and crisscrossed. And so if you're working on anything, whether it's a, a launch of a new product or a software or something that might be more tightly controlled and held close to the vest in terms of an acquisition or something like that, as a part of that team that's developing whatever that change is, you need to be considering how you're going to communicate that to the employees. And I would say that you communicate to the employees as soon as you communicate to the media or investors or any other audience. A long time ago in my career, I ran a part of the internal communications at MCI, So I actually had the vehicles. I ran the company newsletter, which, you know, in those days, I hate to say it, but pre-internet, you know, it was a beautiful, you know, six-color magazine that we produced (laughs) on a weekly basis and circulation of 60,000, so 60,000 employees. And I got to do a whole bunch of internal communications around the acquisition of MCI by Worldcom, which was a crazy time because their first British Telecom made an unsolicited bid to buy MCI, and then I think it was... GTE made another offer and then ultimately it was WorldCom. So imagine you're you're responsible for telling the employees what's going on, plus you're dealing with the investors in Wall Street. It was just crazy. But the one thing that MCI did beautifully, and I'm so glad I had the chance to learn this there, is they treated the employees as an equally important audience Mm -hmm. to the media and the investors so that when they were sending a press release about something at the same moment, and and we would have it really time to send the email to the employees at the exact same time. And I think in any kind of transformation, you want to have that kind of synchrony to make sure that the employees aren't forgotten and left behind, Mm because often they can be an afterthought.
1: Oh, and nothing would be worse than an employee reading something very material about their company in the media. And in today's world, you could make an announcement to the press and it could be online within minutes. And if the employee reads about it there, I think they get that disengaged feeling of, I don't matter. Exactly. that's, Exactly. That's
0: fantastic. So Curtis, we know a little bit about employee engagement. We've talked about that a few times. What do you think? From an overall employee engagement standpoint, corporate communications to me is an absolute critical component because if you're not doing it right, to your point just a minute ago, you roll out something, it hits the press, it's on the media, and somebody doesn't hear about it, somebody's going to get really upset and offended, especially because not only are they disengaged, but they're going to feel like a decision was made without their input. And in in a generation where everybody wants a voice, and everybody wants information, whether you solicit something out to your employee base, and you listen to their opinions, and you don't incorporate it, well, you know, that's maybe that just in the line with the corporate strategy. But The employees, especially the ones on the front lines, they want to be heard. And so if there is not a vehicle for them to get heard, then your corporate communications, in my book, is going to fail because they're the ones who are delivering on the experience. They're the ones who is delivering on your expectations for the organization, and they're the ones who are delivering the results to Wall Street, right? So if Wall Street wants good results, they need to be hearing feedback from the front lines. That's a good point. No, that's a very good point.
2: So it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that's one of the things that Broadsoft – did really, really, really well. Mm. Um, So as being responsible for employee communications or internal communications while I was there, it was not only one way. We we talked about how communication is a loop and it's two-way. And this idea of having a dialogue between the company and the executives and the staff at all layers of the organization and how important that was for exactly the reason that you're saying that you want the employees to be bought into the company mission and vision and values and the strategy that the company is executing to achieve those mission and vision. And if they're not involved and they don't feel like their voice is being heard, then you risk them becoming less engaged and and not supporting whatever it is that's being executed in in support of the mission, which if you haven't built that dialogue and then you go and you launch something and it gets out in the media or social media before it gets to the employees then you're just repeating the damage over and over again.
1: I think that uh, you said something a second ago that made me realize – internal communication isn't just about oh yeah we're having an event right employee communication and internal communication is about that ongoing consistent i recently wrote an article in a blog post about the importance of having a communication plan for when there is an urgent situation good or bad we don't have fire drills When there's a fire, we have fire drills when there's not, so that when there is a fire, we already know what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to go and what we do. And I think a communication plan is very, very – or a communication program, not just plan, but program, is equally important. I want the employees to know that this is where they go – online, on a screen, hanging in the break room, a podcast, heaven forbid it's not, but even an email, they know where they go to get the latest information and the correct information. Because the other thing that I have learned over the years of working with people is if there's a negative version, people migrate to that. Mm -hmm. They just do. Uh, And until you give them clear answers on the positive side, that's
0: where they're going to go. You know, to follow up on your point just right there, too, is in my mind, if your corporate communication is done right, not only those people know where to go, they want to go there. Mm-hmm. Because it's more than just knowing, it's actually wanting. Because if they want it, then they're going to be that much more engaged and that much more willing to execute on what we're expecting of them to do. You
1: know, one of the examples, and I think we've touched on it once or twice before, but one of our large customers is Kohl's. And their employee communication, which is using breakroom TV in the break room, one of the tools that they have integrated is the ability for employees to do a hashtag, post something on Twitter about their job, and the system picks that up and then it displays it. That has increased the engagement with those screens to a level I don't know that we can measure. And we know it has. Because it's not uncommon for you to see a tweet come across that says, waiting to see my post. So they're testing. They're trying to see. And when they realize that within 10 minutes or so of posting a tweet, it's picked up and comes through on the screen, then they're like, well, that's for real. Okay, I'm going to talk about how great my job is. And I'm going to post my thoughts here because I realize that the the company's taking it seriously.
2: And what you're illustrating in that example are two really important things. One, which is trust, and the other, which is authenticity. Mm. And just like in external branding and traditional external marketing, you, you have to have regular ongoing communications about your brand, promoting it. That's separate from your product promotion and your services and everything else. You need to do that internally too, just like what Curtis was saying, so that employees know that that's where they can get their information and they, they have a, a consistent, steady, trusted channel, an avenue to get their communications. If they send communication back through it, whether through social media with a hashtag or an email to an executive to get feedback or something like that, that they trust it and they believe it. And then that makes them more inclined, like you said, to go there when something is going on that they need to find out about. Rather than letting the rumor mill get out of control, they know where to go to get the right information.
1: Another thing that I did recently, and I think it was a blog post, or maybe it was even a video that we did, we talked about the importance of trust, that leaders at whatever level in an organization need to trust the organization and be trusted by the organization. And the foundation for all of that trust is communication, You know, two-way, open, clear communication. And if you have that, then the engagement just builds because- there are no secrets. There are no doubting areas. It's like I know what I'm supposed to know. And no, I don't know all of the ins and outs of the board meeting, but I know what I need to know in order to do my job. And I know how my job impacts the rest of the organization.
2: And you know where to go to get the answer if an employee comes to you with a question, which is also really important.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say Frontline employees, they don't need to know everything that goes on in the boardroom because there's going to be parts of what's discussed in the boardroom that have absolutely nothing to do with the front run. So if you have a channel that just flows through the right information, people are going to be super pumped to listen to it anyway.
1: Well, and there's the discussion of the speed of information. Mm. So getting, you know, we like to say from the boardroom to the showroom, when a decision is made or when information is determined, we need to get it out quickly. And having a established channel helps with that. Having it be video-based, my opinion, but having it be video-based makes it that much better, stronger.
2: I think the data backs that up too. People consume more video than any other kind of communication that there is.
1: Yeah. And, And I maintain that if I watch my executive leadership give a presentation, a piece of information, or just announce something, I have the opportunity to see in their eyes the passion and the belief, which then influences my passion and my belief. It's not reading flat words on a page. I'm hearing the leader of an organization, she can passionately explain why this is not only good for our company, it's good for our economy, it's good for the planet, whatever the case may be. I think it's really terrific.
0: You know, and we've discussed this in previous podcasts, right? Just the ability to see somebody's face, is huge. Sure, a in-person meeting is great, but when you're dealing with an organization that has a hundred thousand plus employees, it's kind of impossible, right? But with the technology we've talked about on previous episodes, seeing somebody and being able to see their emotion and see the lights that are in their eyes, you get that much more believability and desire out of them.
2: Exactly, that's that authenticity again. Yeah.
0: So let me
1: shift gears. You know, Sharon, you made a comment about your days at MCI and doing a four-color, very beautiful produced. And did you say you did that weekly? Yeah we well,
2: did it was called actually it was called MCI today but i think we only did i think we did it weekly
1: so okay so employees were waiting a week right doesn't fly in today's world this we know but let's talk for a minute about the impact that digital transformation has had on the communication industry specifically to this podcast Internal, But, I mean, you know, we're living in a world now where something happens somewhere in the world, and most likely we can know about it within minutes, even if it's on the other side of the globe. What, how, what kind of impact have you seen or what kind of impact do you feel that has had on internal communication?
2: Well, I think that that's one of the reasons why employee communications or internal communications has developed into such a big you know, discipline in and of itself under the marketing communication umbrella, Um, you know, employees are consumers. And I think companies that are doing employee communications well recognize that and they recognize that they need to keep marketing to their employee base to keep them buying what it is that they want them to buy, which is buying into the company, buying into the mission and staying and building their careers there and then as far as the actual you know the vehicles that are used and the technology that's used i think it's the same thing i think we're treating the employee audience as an audience and we're marketing to them the same way we would to an external audience using all the same principles and that we apply externally whether that means we're using a mix of vehicles Externally, you don't just advertise on television and not do anything else. You also have a website and you do social media and maybe there's some radio, maybe there's some direct mail. It's the same thing in terms of your internal. You use a mix of media to convey your message. and it, you know, it comes back to the old-fashioned rule of sevens, that your audience needs to hear or see a message seven different times in order for it to have an impact. And I would say in this day and age, with the amount of content coming at us constantly, Seven is is a bare minimum as to the number of times that you should be communicating something to your audience, whether it's an internal or an external audience.
0: So question I have for you on that one is you say you have the right mix, right? And they have to speak to people seven times. Is it the same message you're sending across all different channels? Or is it, is it, I mean, what I mean by that is, is the verbiage exactly the same? Or is it slightly tweaked based on the channel that you're speaking through? I'm just curious.
2: I think if, if you're really serious about what you're doing, you tweak it for each of the vehicles. You'd learn the voice of the particular channel and connecting with your audience. So you might have a long form email from the, an executive that goes out, followed by a short email from maybe from that executive to the frontline manager saying, you know, please share, you know, make sure you share this with your employees. And maybe there's a, you know, a digital sign that is just a really short, phrase from that communication and then your intranet might have you know a banner that changes for that particular day yeah I think that it's to the extent that you can you want to refine the message and do it the best way you can but you still want some consistency your theming your colors your fonts your main message your call to action so that it works together as a campaign
1: I think and you touched on it briefly right there at the end your internal corporate communications, you have to have the same level of discipline that you have on your external. If it's random, you know, this time we use these colors and the next time we use a different set of colors and the font's bigger, the font's smaller, on and on and on. I think you do that and you're going to, you're wasting some energy. I think if you have some consistency, it goes back to that. I know where to go to get the information. I know what the information is going to look like so that I can consume it, process it, and chew it a lot quicker and easier.
2: Yep. Definitely. And I would say don't ever forget that those those frontline managers, those middle managers are one of your communication channels.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That you use them to communicate out and it helps connect them more to the organization. It helps them buy more into whatever it is that is going on. And then they help to reinforce the message.
0: I was just going to say I was actually up on stage with a person that's pretty well known in the employee communication world Randy Palubiak about 10 days ago and I asked him a question very similar to what I'd like to ask you is at the end of the day the internal employees especially with regards to what you do those are your end customers right so the question I have is how do you avoid that game of telephone you send out a message your middle manager hears it and then they may sample it and find out what is really and critical how do you avoid that game of telephone
2: I think you have to make it part of a campaign and an overarching strategy. I think you trust your middle managers to communicate down and then you tell everybody in the company that your manager should have told you this. (laughs) And if they haven't, you know, here's the information, you know, in a delicate way, but that's creating some more of that loop. You have to task the employees with also being responsible for getting the information that they need, asking their manager, asking the questions,
1: That's a good point, making sure that it gets all the way to the end. And then the other thing, too, that we talk about when we talk about that telephone game is the idea that, oh, well, I understood it this way, so I'm going to explain to my team with my lens, but Curtis's team got it with Curtis's lens, and it's somewhat different. And that goes back to the use of video. If I can empower the mid-level management team with the ability to play a video So everybody gets that baseline information that it's exactly the same. But then that team leader, that manager can say, now let's talk about how that applies to our location here in this city versus how it might apply to one of our other company locations in a different city.
2: Or maybe there was before that video went out to the managers to share with their teams, maybe there was a conference call with all of the managers in the company to say, we're going to send you this video. Here are the three Key things that we're conveying in it. And we would really like for you to gather some feedback from your teams so that we can hear how this is being received and then really empower them and put them in the position of showing that video and then asking, having that conversation with their teams, asking for the questions, and then sending them back in. And then you have another opportunity to come back with another video that answers those questions, that takes them from all over the company and and, and sends it back out. Yeah.
1: And I think in today's world, politicians have made town hall meetings popular, town hall meetings, something of interest. But I think you can come very close to that experience because of the world we live in, where we put a message out, we get some feedback for a short period of time, a few hours, a couple of days, and then we revisit it again with the updated information. I think we have the ability to do that. If you have the ability to do a live broadcast and take live feedback, all the better, but you don't have to have all of that.
2: Right. We At Broadsoft, there was one quarter when we for some reason we weren't able to pull together an all hands meeting and we did live video broadcast there in at our headquarters location there were a few hundred people in the audience and then we would broadcast live out around the world which was a logistical challenge in and of itself but there was one quarter when we weren't able to do it i don't know if the executives were traveling or it just was it was just hard to pull together and so we decided to do a video instead as it, when we called it a virtual all hands And we were a little concerned because the video ended up being very long because there was a lot of content to convey. So we actually gamified it. We built a game into the video, and it was a secret word. And at the start of the video, the host said, you know, there's going to be a letter that's going to pop up on the screen. And he, like, pointed somewhere on the screen, you know, from time to time throughout this presentation. Figure out what the letter is and then send it in here, and you'll get a prize. So we got instant feedback as to whether or not people had watched the whole video. I mean, I guess people could have cheated, but, you know, sit down with your team and watch this video and then send it in and you'll get a prize. And we were able to measure our reach.
1: Pre-show or before we started recording, you and I were talking a little bit about the internal communication to employees being probably the most targetable communication there is. I mean, as a marketing person, I step back and say, Oh, I would sure love to have the name and email <laughs> of the people I want to talk to. Oh heaven, if I could have the phone number too, wow. And and if I could know their job and their focus and who they report to and what hours they work and what projects are top of mind. My goodness, we have all of that about our employees. And so I feel like internal communication could be a tidal wave of information because we have all these things we want to communicate based on. Do you feel like as a communications professional, obviously you can prioritize messaging, but do you feel like you need to segment it as well? I mean, do you think, okay, we've got to sit down and really say, you know what, this is for the whole company. This is for a portion of the company. How do you play with that and manage that?
2: Well, I think it depends on how sophisticated the company is overall in their communications and their leadership, how how strong their leaders are. And sometimes that takes training the leaders up to be good communicators. But I, I think the ideal scenario, you've got a really strong overall internal communications program run in partnership between corporate communications and human resources that's about – Supporting the overall company mission and vision, maybe some cultural competencies, maybe something really good around purpose and corporate philanthropy, and then more segmented communications, maybe by division or by layer of the organization. But it's like external marketing where you have to slice your Audience, and then you target your communications appropriately. But for all of those, I think the essentials are that you define your objectives, you align your messaging and your channels around those objectives, you engage your audience, and then you provide feedback to, again, redefine, realign, and reengage, and you keep doing that over and over.
1: And, you know, you touched on something right there, which... I would like to say to the audience that's listening, you cannot underestimate the value of, you mentioned the term philanthropy, but when your company or your organization does something good, okay, for the good, to be good, I don't care if it's Habitat for Humanity program, Breast Cancer Awareness, you know, a walk to support or a recycling program, in today's world, And not just young people, employees up and down the organization want to know that they're working for a company that is more than just the bottom line. I feel very passionately about that, that you need to let your employees know how good the organization is and the value that we bring beyond just delivering products and services that people purchase.
2: Yeah, I was at a, a PR event a couple of weeks ago in Washington, D.C., and there was a whole segment of the program that talked about purpose. That That's kind of the new way of talking about corporate social responsibility and this idea of conveying your company's purpose. And that may be to connect the unconnected like it is for Hughes and how kind of creating that that pulling on the heartstrings of your employees to help build that connection mm-hmm. is is becoming more and more important and that employees are wanting that more and more to you know, to what you said. They don't just want to work for a company that's just there to make a buck. They want to work for a company that has a real purpose and a real passion.
1: It's, when you have the hearts and the minds, you've got the employee fully engaged. And candidly, that's where I'd like to work. I want to work somewhere that... I'm as passionate about the organization because of what the organization does as I am about what the organization builds or or sells. So Sharon, I'm I'm going to kind of bring us to a close here, but I have a question. Are there some particular, you know, we've talked about a lot of things, but are there some particular do's or even don'ts that based on your experience, you could say, listen, don't make this mistake or make sure you do do this? that you would leave with our audience?
2: Yes, definitely. I think for internal communications, there are a few things that I would say absolutely do. Get feedback. Don't just make it communication that's top-down. Absolutely ask and, and listen to the feedback. Build that dialogue. Use the managers as a messenger. It works to help reinforce the communication and reinforce the manager's experience of being valued in the company. Remember that people don't read. <laughs> Much to my chagrin because I love to write, but people just they don't read. So make anything that you send out in writing, make it scannable and snackable. So that goes for even digital signage. It needs to be scannable and snackable because that's all people have the appetite for. And then the last thing I would say about internal communications is have some fun because you really can. You can break the rules, you know, in terms of your brand or you can do a play on words. You can have a game built into a video and give people prizes just for watching all the way through to the end, which are sometimes not as realistic to do with your whole audience when you're marketing outside, but when you're doing it internally, you can try some of those things and have some fun because the employees appreciate it.
0: If there is one big lesson you've learned in your career thus far about how to really, really make corporate communications work, is there is there one thing that you could just stay standing out as like the biggest lesson you've learned?
2: I just think you just have to remember that people don't read.
1: Yeah. You did make a comment earlier that I would answer that it's the authenticity. Yeah. Mm. I think uh, if you're inauthentic, people know it in a heartbeat. Yeah, they can see it right it. through it. Right. And, th- and that plays back into something else we've talked about a number of times. You have to have executive buy-in. If you're going to communicate a message, your executive leadership has to be fully committed to it, It demonstrated if it's applicable, and, and so forth. So,
0: And I was just going to say one thing is something I've learned. And granted, I haven't made a career out of corporate communications, but give credit where credit's due, too. Like if if somebody comes with a really great idea that changes something like a big paradigm shift within an organization and you elicit that change and you don't give credit, say, hey, this was a great idea. I mean, I I remember studying when I was in school years and years ago that it was the biggest innovation on Taco Bell was the Doritos Tacos. Mm -hmm. That's been a huge moneymaker for them, right? And it was actually developed by a group of advertising students and they waited about eight years later to launch it. There was actually a lot of case studies done about it because they figured out a way that the statute of limitations for launching that and without giving credit to them was by waiting eight years. I don't know if that's true or not, but long story short, there was a group of people that were really upset that they had this idea that's made them a ton of money that these people didn't get the credit for. So I'm, I know I'm talking about food. Maybe it's just because I'm hungry or something. I don't know. But it's just give credit where it's due mm-hmm. because you're going to end up getting more authenticity and more trust from your organization when you give that credit.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Well, Sharon, we want to say thank you very much for
1: joining us on our podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us.
2: Thank you for having me. It was fun.
1: And to all of our audience, we want to remind you, if you like what you hear, tell a friend. If you don't like what you hear, tell us about it. But have a great day, and we'll see you next time.